This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We started last week talking about unearthing truth, you know, discovering this awesome, wonderful treasure that God has put before us. And we got to do some digging to unearth this truth, you know, to apply it to our lives. And that's what we want to continue talking about this week, unearthing truth. Well, for kind of a little side note there, that truth, it transforms. Transforms, it, it changes in a fantastic and awesome kind of a way. And you know what this old guy is? It's a caterpillar. You know, see a little grubby old chubby little old caterpillars that crawl across the ground. They'll crawl up on some little plants and eat them. End up in the ground again. They just crawl around. They crawl around. But they don't just stay like that. There's this process where they create this. Last two services, I had to have Susan help me to do that. What's this? It's a cocoon. And that caliper crawls up a tree, goes out on a little branch, and he spins a little cocoon, and he has a little quiet time, you know? Solitude. Solitude. And he just hangs up for a little while, and then before you know it, let me see here. Ah, I got it. Before you know it, you've got this wonderful, beautiful butterfly. Isn't that an awesome butterfly? There's a transformation. What a testimony it is for the word transformation. It really is. I'm going to put him over here. He's going to sit here and inspire you, right? So we've been talking about unearthing truth, and truth does bring transformation. The truth of God's word transforms us. It changes us. It lifts us up, and we can do things we never could do before. Like a caterpillar couldn't fly, but now he flies, and he just goes from flower to flower to flower. There's a transformation taking place, and truth brings about a transformation in our lives. Now, Jesus was constantly saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times throughout the Bible, he was saying, I tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. You know anybody else who says that? You do. And, and, and I'm really not even aware of it, you know. I, I'll tell you the truth, you know. And it's like, well, no one would really expect you to lie. You surely wouldn't expect Jesus to lie. But he's always saying, I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. Sometimes in other translations, he says, truly, I say unto you. It's the same as, I'm going to tell you the truth. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the truth. And truth brings about transformation. Genuinely does. A woman testified to the transformation in her life as a result of coming to Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior and following his teachings, she declared, I'm so glad I'm saved. I have an uncle I used to hate so much. I vowed that I would never go to his funeral. But now why, I'd be happy to go to his funeral at any time. <laughs> Some of you... Later on today, you go, oh, that's what he was talking about, you know. It's kind of delayed sometimes. But uh, 
you know, there is a transformation in people's hearts. People who they used to hate, they, they love. The things they used to do, they don't do anymore. Wonderful things that they didn't participate in, they participate. There's a transformation that takes place. And in the book of Mark, chapter 4, you can read that, dear. Okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 22 says, Everything that is now hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light. What does it say? Everything that is now hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light. To light. I look for every opportunity I can to use my flashlight. Y'all know that, right? He says everything. That's 100%. Yep. Everything that is now hidden, and that's why we're trying, doing our part to unearth the truth that, that's hidden, that, that, that's secret. As we unearth the truth, it brings about transformation in our lives. So, so let's just don't, you know, wait. Let's begin to do our digging, unearthing the truth, discovering the truths that God has put here. And, and you got to do some digging to unearth these truths, you know, uh, if you want to partake of the transformation that he has. And transformation is not just a one-time deal where you come to Christ and he changes us because as you continue unearthing truth and discovering truth, there's a continual transformation that goes on in you. It gets better and better and better and better and better. And people that you touch their lives, transformation comes to them as well. Let's continue on. Verse 23 says, anyone who is willing to hear. And, and that's, that's talking about you. It's talking about me. It's talking about you guys. It's talking about everybody here. He's talking about us all. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Listen and understand. Pay, pay attention, you know. And be sure to pay attention to what you hear. Hmm. You're, you're sure to pay attention so you can act upon it, you know. There's a lot of people who kind of listen, but they're not really paying attention, you know. And it's like a guy's in there and he's reading his paper and all, and the wife's talking to him. He's like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And she said, I'm going to put five pounds of salt in your meal tonight. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know he ain't really paying attention to what she's saying, you know. So when it comes to our relationship with God, we want to listen. We want to pay attention, you know, to what we're hearing. And therefore, transformation can come about in our lives. The more you do this the more you will understand, and even more besides. You're going to understand more and more and more the more you apply the things you're hearing and you're paying attention to. You're really understanding that. He's just going to give you more and more and more. That's what he tells us. You know? Verse 25 says, To those who are open to my teaching. Mm. To those who are open. Their ears are open. that They hear what God is saying. They're receiving what he's saying. He says, those who are open to my teaching. More understanding will be given, but to those who are not listening. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. How come they ain't answer me? <laughs> gotcha. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Oh, you are answering me. Do we ever do that to God? We don't want to listen to what he's saying because we don't want to do what he says. We don't want to obey it. You know, we don't want to put it into practice because we just don't want to do that. So we're not receiving, we're not listening, and therefore we cannot possibly understand. But people do that to God at times. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. Even what they have will be taken away. They, they can't really apply anything. They're not listening. They're really not paying attention. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, This is good and pleasing God our Savior, for he wants everyone to be saved. What percentage is everyone? 100%. How many people in your life, in your family, in your friends, in your sphere, how many people do you want to be saved? 100%. 100%. We genuinely want them to come to have a relationship with Christ. 
So he wants everyone. Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. To understand it so they can apply it. When you understand the truth, you know how to pray. When you understand the truth, you know how to, to cause those promises to become realized and, and, and begin a, to be effective and bring transformation in your life. For there is only one God. And, one. One and, God. And one mediator. Uh, do you know what the mediator's name is? Jesus. He is the mediator that he's talking about. Uh, the, the go-between, the negotiator. We talked about last week. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one. He's the mediator. He's the go-between. The way you get to Father is through Jesus. That's what he's telling us. He says, I'm the way and I'm the truth. I'm the truth. I'm the mediator between you and God. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile. That means to bring together. Can reconcile God and people. He is the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. That's 100%. Jesus' life has paid for salvation for everybody on the planet. Now, a lot of those people are going to reject Christ, and they're not going to partake of it. They're not going to experience a transformation, but it's been paid for, even if they reject it. And not just salvation, but freedom. Freedom. Freedom from our sins, freedom from bondage, all those things. You're exactly right. This is the message that God gave to the world at the proper time. This is the message. That's the good news that God gave to the world at just the right time. And he knows the right time. When you accepted Christ in your life, it's, it's the good news. Fantastic news. You know, it's truth that sets you free. It's truth that brings transformation in your life. This is good news that God wants you to experience. You know, um, almost everyone who met Jesus was transformed. Almost everyone. The ones who weren't transformed, they crucified Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... If. If. That word is so conditional. You know, I used to know this little thing. And uh, someone had taught it to me when I was young. And he says, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his tail every time he hopped. Because he would hop and launch and fly. If he had wings. And if you had a billion dollars, you probably wouldn't live where you live. Or drive what you drive. If, 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 if. You can apply if to every area of your life. But it's conditional, you see. And he says it here. Therefore, if any. Now, what percentage is any? 100%. If any man be where? In Christ. And the word in, it means in relationship with Christ. That's what he's talking about. If any man be in relationship with Christ. He is a new creature. What kind of creature? A new creature. I like the word creature. You guys are creatures. You know that, right? Yep. New creatures. But many translations says you're a new creation. And, and that sounds prettier, sounds nicer, you know. But I kind of gravitate to I'm a new creature, you know. You wouldn't ever want to know the old creature, you know. But God has brought transformation to so many of us. And we're new creatures. Like the butterfly, a new creature. It's a new creature. Beautiful, as a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. the transformation that took place. Therefore, if anyone, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're, they're, They're gone. Behold, all things are become new. Behold, all things. What percentage is all? 100%. How would it be if all the things that you don't like in your life How would it be if all those things changed? Mm -hmm. All the 
guilt or the shame or the regret or all the negative things in your life, how would that be if like there's no more record of any of that? God has caused you to become transformed, a new creature in Christ. All the old stuff has passed away. I think that's fantastic. That's what truth does to us, you know, transformation. Let's read 2 Corinthians again in the Amplified Bible. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith, in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. They're gone. Behold, new things have come, because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Have you had a spiritual awakening? Yes. And if your answer is, I don't know, you want a spiritual awakening. And that spiritual awakening comes as you are unearthing truth, the treasure that brings about that transformation. There's a, an awakening that took place with Mr. Caterpillar. He was in that old time of solitude, but there was an awakening. And when he came out, people didn't recognize, you're so much different. Transformation. And that, I think, is what we all want. And, and this spiritual awakening can continue to take place. We have never perfectly arrived as of yet. We're continually experiencing transformation as we're unearthing more and more truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my... That means, truly means, you're the real deal. Truly, Jesus is saying, you're the real deal here. That's what he's talking about. You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. He said, you're truly my disciples, my followers, my students. I mean, truly, you're, you're the real deal. This is not fake, you know. He said here to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples. If you, what's that word? Keep. Okay. If you keep, if you continue obeying my teachings, you know. Not obeying his teachings once or twice. Oh, I, I obeyed God's teachings at Christmas. And, and, and before that, I obeyed his teachings at Easter last year. That's good enough, right? No. No, it's not. You, you want to apply those truths to us continually. And he said, if you'll continue, if you keep his teachings, what's going to happen here? You know, he in, tells us. Go ahead. In verse 32, he tells us what will happen. He says, and you will know, know the, truth. the truth. He said, you'll know the truth. And you understand, no, the, the Bible it talks about Adam and Eve and said that Adam knew his wife. He had a very close understanding of her and he had an intimate relationship with her. And it says when Adam knew his wife, they had a son. That was real close. And this word here is very similar. There's nothing sexual about it at all. But it says, and you will know, you'll know, you, you'll have an intimacy. You, you'll really be close to the truth. Uh, would you read that again? And you will know the truth and the truth. Wait a minute. Do you know the truth? Yes. yes. That was six people. <laughs> That's awesome. For well, those six people there. And he said, you'll know the truth. Oh, man. Okay, I'll just read that again. I'm sorry. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Have you ever had bondage in your life? Yes. An addiction, maybe? And it can just be addicted to biting your fingernails. It can be addiction to something that you eat or drink or smoke. You can have an addiction where you're, you're entrapped, you know? You're, you're enslaved. You have been captured. But I can tell you what. It says you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And when you get free, oh, you feel lighter. 
You're not carrying all that weight around no more. It's not binding you so you can't do things anymore. But you're free. You shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And you may be here right now and you're like, I want that freedom in my life. And it's available to you. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth set Mr. Butterfly free from the gravitational pull just to earth. Crawling around in the dirt. We were set free. And he can fly. And you and I, we can know the truth. That's what he says there. And the truth will set you free. Free from everything that traps us and, and binds us, you know. So, to recognize counterfeit money, when Susan and I was in Bible school, there was a, a lesson that we took in it inspired how to do this and then uh, about every banker I have known uh, I would ask him this question or it was a teller who worked at a bank and I would ask him this question because I had read about it that people who deal with money like that all the time they learn how to detect counterfeit money and when, when you learn how to detect counterfeit money not one time was a piece of counterfeit money put in front of you. you. You saw ones and twos and threes? No, that would be counterfeit. The three. Okay, ones and twos and fives and tens and twenties. What's Fif next? Fifties. Fifties? Hundreds. Hundreds? Thousands. Is there a thousand dollar bill? Can I see one for a moment? <laughs> I have a magic trick to make it disappear. Yeah. <laughs> But you never see the counterfeit money. They expose you to all the different denominations of money, and you learn how to count it, you know, or some people like that. They learn what it feels like, what it looks like, even what it smells like, how it handles in your hand and all, and they study the real and the genuine money so much for days and weeks that they're given a couple of bundles of money to count, and as they're counting it, you know, all of a sudden it's like, mm, I don't know what's wrong with it, but something's wrong with this one. They don't study the counterfeit. They study the truth, the real deal, the real and the genuine money. And when a piece of counterfeit comes across their path, they don't necessarily understand it at first, but they know something's wrong with this. Something is wrong. And as you and I, we study the truth of God's word. And something comes across our path, we may not understand exactly, but we know that's not the truth. That, that's contrary to what the truth says. This is counterfeit. This is a lie. I recently read a quote. I don't remember who said it, but... It was basically about discernment. And we gain discernment by spending time in God's word, in the truth. And um, it said that discernment is not um, just determining the difference between right and wrong. And lots of times that's what we think. Discernment is the difference between right and wrong. But it said that discernment is recognizing the difference between right and almost right. There again, that's that. Recognizing that something's not right here. There's a, something that's a little bit off. Just a tiny bit off. It's not true. It can hurt you tremendously, body, soul, and spirit. It genuinely can. So we need to have the truth and to have the wisdom and to have the discernment. You know, that's what we need. Uh, some folks prefer to believe a lie. They, they really do, you know, because their father is a liar. And they prefer to believe the lie. Now, we were reading there in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. Let's read verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil. You're, you're of the devil. Your, your father is the devil. If, if, if your father is not heavenly father... Well, then you only have one alternative. 
And so our father is our heavenly father or is the devil. And, and we make our choice to how our family runs along that line. Let's continue with that. And you'd love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. The devil has always hated the truth. Hated it. I mean, what's the Bible tell us? The devil comes to... Steal, kill, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus goes on to say, but I have come to give you life. In all its abundance. In all of its abundance. Abundant life. That, that's what Jesus came. But he says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it all is based on deceptions. And all is based on lies. Let's just go through it again. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. There's no truth in the devil. There's nothing he has ever told you or promise you this true. He is 100% a liar. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And this is where all lies originate. Whether the person recognizes it or not, it originates from the devil. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says, So God has given us both his promise and his, his promise And his oath. And his oath. His oath means his word. He's given us, and it's more than just one, he's given us promises. And he's given us his oath. That means his word. And this used to be early in my childhood life. You know, people would make a deal on a car or a piece of land or a piece of livestock or something other, and they would shake hands and they would give their word. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Some of you go, huh? Because well, more recently, in, in the latter years, uh, well, it takes a half a dozen lawyers to draw up contracts, so you'll do what you said you'll do because there's a lot of lies that go around nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. People don't keep their word. Their word is no longer their bond. But the Bible says God has given us a promise And he has given us his word. And he is 100% true to his word. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Unchangeable. His promise, he ain't never going to change it on you. And his word, it will never, ever be changed. When he says he'll forgive you, he will always forgive you. That's just the way it is. His promise and his word, his oath is true. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Is there anything that's impossible for God? Yes. Yes. It's impossible. It's impossible for him to lie. Mm -hmm. He's given you his word that he'll never lie. Everything he tells you, and I'm going to be honest with you, with such promises like that, you would be wise to find out what those promises are. What he has said, where he has given his word, it brings about phenomenal transformation in you and in those you love. It brings about phenomenal provisions for you and your loved ones. It it does. God is absolutely true to everything that he has ever said. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage. Courage. Awesome. New courage. For whatever happens this afternoon... And tomorrow and this week and this month and this year, we can take courage because God is true to his promise and his word. And he never lies. It's impossible for him to lie. For we can hold on to his promise with confidence. You can hold on to God's promise with confidence. Have you discovered his promises? Any man, woman, boy and girl can discover, if they want to discover, oh, wow, look at that. Did you know what God said this? Do you know what he said about this? And, and God's word promises. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to access his promises. My God shall supply all. all. What percentage is all? 
100%. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And all the promises that you unearth, you can apply. And it will bring transformation in your life. That's just the way it is. Um, people cannot change truth. They try. They, they try to. They try to hide it or camouflage it. But you cannot change truth. You, you cannot change it. But truth can change you. And it will when you expose yourself to the truth. Now, I'd like us to look here at Isaiah as Isaiah describes his day. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14. Our courts oppose people who are righteous. Can you believe that? In Isaiah's day, and this is hundreds and hundreds of years ago, he said our courts oppose people who are righteous. And justice is nowhere to be found. And justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the streets. Truth. It falls dead in the streets. You can't find truth in the streets. And fairness has been outlawed. And this is what the devil desires for us in our day. That's what he desires for us. That the courts will oppose people who are righteous. And justice is nowhere to be found. The truth falls dead in the streets and fairness has been outlawed. It's like, wow, that seems kind of relevant to the times we live in. Maybe there's a lot of that going on. It seems thousands, hundreds, thousands of years ago, it's like, wow, that seems relevant to our day. And Satan, he tries to put a question mark where God has put a period and where God has put an exclamation mark. And, and God declares this is the way things are. And the devil tries to put a question. Oh, you can't really believe that. You can't really trust that. That's what the devil tries to do. Proverbs 23, verse 23 says, Get the truth and don't ever sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and discernment. Hmm. Give the truth and don't ever sell it. Don't sell out the truth for something that looks kind of like the truth. You know, the Bible talks about the devil. He comes as an angel of light. He's bright and glowing. He comes as an angel of light, but he's camouflaged. He has a wicked intent. He hates the truth. And his goal is to kill, to steal, and destroy any communications that the devil has with you has to do with killing you or your dreams or your hopes or your goals. Kill to steal something from you, whether it's health or dollars and cents or relationships or destroying anything that's good. That's the only purpose the devil would come into your life, to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to, to give you an abundant life. The best is yet to come. That's what he's talking about here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, but test everything that test is Test everything. The word test, it means prove it. Put it to the test. See if this is true or not. Test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Hmm. Is everything you hear true? No. But if it's on TV, it's true. No. If it's on the news, it's true. Definitely not. Hmm. Think about this for a moment. Hold on to what is good. Is this true? God helps those who helps themselves. No. Three of you said no. What about the rest of you guys? It is true. How many have read that in the Bible? No. Don't raise your hand, okay? (laughs) I've I've had people tell me that. I said, oh, that's in the Bible. I've read that in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. And I have hundreds of times said, I'll give you $1,000 if you show it to me in your Bible right now. $1,000. I've never given a penny away so far. 
Not for that. Not for that. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. And if you say you read it there, you're lying. It ain't there. Now, hundreds of people have said that, and we think that it's there because they said it was there. And we didn't call them on that. Well, God helps those who help themselves. The truth of it is, lots of times you can't help yourself. Amen. Maybe you're sick, or spiritual issues, or the sins of your past, or you've got situations going on that you just can't do nothing about, and God will help you. Amen. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Amen. He comes to our rescue because he loves us. He's crazy about us. That's the truth. Now think about this, you know. There's other things that we consider the truth. Oh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of things, but what about cleanliness is next to godliness? Well, that's in the Bible, right? You're going like, I don't know, is it? No, it's not there. Cleanliness is next to God. It's not in the Bible. God will clean your heart. Miraculously, that's the transformation I'm talking about. But people always talk about, you got to go wash your hands for dinner. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, you know it's in the Bible. And people believe that. But when you read the Bible and you study the Bible, it ain't in there. Unless unearth truth. And when you know the truth, you get set free. Now, I'm not saying you learn this truth and you never wash your hands again. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Okay? But I'm telling you, it's not in the Bible the way lots of people have told us that it is, you know? And there's other things that people do and they think it's biblical, you know? And if, if you was ever a kid, you know? And I venture to say almost everybody here was a kid at one time, you know? Yep. Or you have children. And a lot of people think that the best form of discipline to your child is to ground them. Sit them over in the corner. You can put a dunce hat on them if you want to. Put them in their bedroom, and you're grounded. And, and this is the truth. I know some children, and, and they are grounded for the next 50 years <laughs> because of the things. Well, you're, that's another day. That's another week you're grounded. And after, you don't even have to get to 50 years, but when you're 50... What difference? Uh, give me a hundred years. They can't see the end of the 50. Do you think that endears them to you? You ground a kid, you become the jailer. You've incarcerated them into their bedroom or into the house. You can't go out with your friends. You can't go outside. You can't use a telephone. You can't use a TV. You can't, you know, you're grounded. And they learn to hate your guts. And they're always trying to figure out some way around that. Slip out the window, you know? And there's all kinds of ideas that are concocted to, to get past this thing. The Bible never says anything about being grounded. Not at all. Think about this for just a moment. Um, I'll read, read you a passage here. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Hold on right there. The Bible says... Every child has foolishness. When you were a child, did you ever do anything that was foolish? Yes. Do you ever do anything that's foolish now? Sometimes. Yes, you probably still do. But the Bible says, this is God's word. This is the truth. And, and we're not trying to ignore the truth. We want to unearth it and find out and make the truth work for us. But he says here, foolishness is bound. It's like it's chained to you. It's like it's, you know, super glued to a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. He didn't say the hand of correction. And I'm not teasing you. You should never, ever, ever spank your child with a hand. You know, and, and, and we believe biblically, we believe part of the way of, uh, majority of the way of getting the foolishness out of your child is you use uh, a little spanking rod, a switch, you know. And when I was a kid, you know, sometimes you'd be asked, 
you go get yourself a switch. You pick the one you want. You don't get a tree trunk, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> when you're picking it. And you don't get one that's too limber and too flimsy because, ooh, that really hurts on the legs, you know. And this is not uh, damaging the child in any way. But, but he tells us this here, foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. The rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And see, our hands, it said the rod of correction is what drives. If you use your hands to spank them with, and then you want to come and, and, and hug them, they see that hand coming, and they're they going to back away from it. So you use a, a little switch or a little spoon or a ruler or something or other, and when you spank them, and then you put it up on the, you know, the top of the door there, you put it up there. And what we have done, we'd always try to communicate our kids' truth. And if we had an issue, we'd sit down with them and say, now this is not what we do, you know. We don't do this, and we would explain it couple different times and make sure they understood it and they understood it. And then if they just especially just rebelliously disobeyed and they got foolishness in their heart. The Bible says they do. And you call them in and you sit down and you talk to them and you explain that this was wrong. And they go, I, I know it was wrong. And then you talk to them about it. You're not hollering. You're not mad. You're not upset. And then you have them bend over and you give them a good spanking until they cry. You know, and some people say, I love, my two, I love my kids too much to discipline them. I don't believe that. We loved our kids too much not to discipline them. That we needed to do that. And see, then when you spank them, and then we hold each other and we cry together, once the crying is done with, say, hey, let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> you think I'm teasing but that offense is over with, never to be talked about or thought about ever again. When God forgives you, does he bring it up the next day? Well, you remember what you did yesterday? You remember what you did last week? You remember what you did last year? Does God bring it up? No. Never. He forgives you and you are pardoned. And so when we discipline a child to teach them, you know, how to obey God and to appreciate the truth. And we hug and we pray for them. We get some ice cream. We, we go fishing. We go play ball. We, we do some. Never to bring it up to them again. He says that little rod of correction will drive the foolishness away. Not grounding them. That don't work. But the rod of correction. And then your friends, instead of being their jailer for the next 50 years, you're buddies with them that day. And you love each other and you do all kinds of wonderful things together. And we did. After we would discipline our children, after we would spank them, we would pray with them. And we would have them to ask God to forgive them because their offense was towards God. But we would also, if they offended somebody else, whether a brother or sister or even one of us, if they did something wrong, they needed to go to that person and to say that they were sorry. And it wasn't just a sorry. You know, we wouldn't accept that. It had to be, they had to own it, and they had to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You know, it was just that. And then afterwards, I kind of took it a whole n another step, but I, I required the kids to thank me for spanking them. You know, and I'm like, okay, you need to thank mommy, or you need to thank daddy for spanking you. And they're like, that's kind of weird. But it, it was just showing them that the reason that we spanked them was motivated out of love. And that we wanted them to recognize that it's something to truly be thankful for. That they had parents that cared enough to not just let them get away with just anything, but to, to follow through with the hard work of disciplining them and to train them in God's ways. And uh, I think it paid off, you know. I, so, I know it did. And um, so this, this, is God's, this is God's truth. It's the way he would have us to do it. But don't ever discipline a child in anger. You know, and... and you go ground yourself to sit in a corner for a while until you cool off if you're yeah. angry. Because you, it will never be good if you discipline a child while you're angry and mad. Yeah. Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, Don't fail to correct your children. Don't fail. Well, I love my kids too, too much to correct them. The Bible says, don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. They won't die. 
if you spank them, it's what the Bible says. You believe that? Yes. Well, let's continue on here just a little bit. Verse 14 says, physical discipline may well save them from death. You said, how is that? You know, you probably experienced something similar. Your child is just now old enough, and you take them outside, and it's beautiful, and there's flowers out there, and birds, and all kinds of things, and they got a nice little kickball, and, and you sit down and you tell them, you know, don't ever, ever go out in the road. And if, if your ball ever gets away from you, you come and get mommy or daddy, and we'll go get your ball. And you teach them that several times, and you explain it to where they got it. Now, Susan and I used to live in a parsonage right over, over there. You know, from where I'm standing, it's probably about 60 feet. And we taught our kids this. And when you go out our front door, it goes downhill to the road. And then a ball will roll across the street, hit the curb, and then it'll roll down to Route 10 and go across the street. That's actually what it does. For real, we've experienced this. So we tell our kids. And say, so you kids understand that. And then you're out there and you're peeking and you're watching every once in a while, maybe from the front porch or something, and the ball gets away from them. And they go out there in the road. You want your kid playing in a road, they're three, four years old, with traffic coming by? No. Or they go out between two cars? No. To go get their little ball? The scripture says if we don't correct them, they might die. Sure. So if a little spanking, you bring them up, you remember when we talked about And you're not mad at them, and you're not angry at them. So you remember when we talked about if the ball gets away, you come and get us, and we'll go get it for you? Did you obey us? Well, it's really important that you do, because you see them cars could hurt you. And we talk about it a little bit, we pray about it, and then bend over, and you get a little paddling. I give them a little paddle until they cry. And then we hug each other. And maybe both of us are crying sometimes. We hug each other and we pray. And then we go do something fun together. Never bring it up again. That's part of the discipline and the correcting and training your children in the ways that they should go. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom. It imparts wisdom. And that's what we want our children to have is wisdom. The rod of grounding a child does not impart wisdom. It does not. It imparts anger, you know. But the rod of correction, it says, it imparts wisdom. But a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Now, have you ever heard of this verse? It says, uh, spare the rod and... Do you know the Bible don't say that? It says something similar to that. You look it up, check it out. It says, spare the rod and you damn the child. So that's a pretty tough word to be saying in church, Pastor. It is. And we don't need to misquote it and misunderstand, you know, what it's saying and what it means. You say, well, I'm not going to, I love my child too much to discipline it. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you damn your child. That's truth. We need to unearth truth. We need to apply truth because it brings about transformation to us. So we got just a couple more minutes here. I was just thinking about it. You know, if parents across our nation would have grasped <clears throat> truth, you know, everybody, if they had grasped this truth and, and put it into operation, I, I don't know that we would need a, a penitentiaries and jails and prisons, not, not the way we do now. Well, truth it sets us free. It doesn't incarcerate us. Truth sets us free. And there's a lot of people who have been incarcerated, and they come to know the truth, and they are set free, even while they're there, and then they get free on the outside, and God works in and through their life from then on. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 said, 
You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. I, I think we're in those very difficult times, you know. I think we're in the, the last days. I think they're here. Verse 5. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They reject the power that could bring about a transformation in their life. They act religious. And just so you know, and if you never heard me say it before, I'm going to tell you, I am not a religious person. I am not. Religion is basically, you know, rules and regulations. You do this, you don't do that, you do this, and you don't do that. Do you know, if you read your Bible, you'll see the words there. It's the religious people who crucified Jesus. I'm not into religion. I'm into relationship. And that's what we want with Almighty God is a fantastic, wonderful relationship. What happens if you just begin to apply rules and regulations, husbands and wives? You know, I want French fries every Sunday afternoon. And I want salt on them, too. And give me a bottle of ketchup to go along with it. You hear me? I'm going to end up with a black eye and a bloody nose. <laughs> <clears throat> Living by a bunch of rules don't do anybody any good. But if, it's like, honey, I would love to have some of those wonderful French fries that you've made. You reckon we can have them? Sure. And she goes, well, we got company coming over tonight, and we got this. Uh, what about tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow is good for me. But we're having a relationship, and God wants us to have a relationship with him because he genuinely, he loves us. I was just thinking about it, too, that the, today, and it's always been this way, but people claim to be religious. You know, they claim to be religious, yet they reject the truth. That should be a, a telltale sign, you know. They claim to be religious, but they're rejecting what God's word says, and they're not living by it. Even it, though they claim to be religious. Well, you're right. It's the religious people in the Bible, it says it many times, who crucified Jesus. they got rules and regulations, you know. It says they're always learning and never... Information, age. information, education, information, information, rules and regulations. I've got to do this, got to do that. I've learned this. And we're not going to have the time to talk about that until next week. But let's just wrap this up here. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And these teachers fight the truth, just as Janus and Jambres fought against Moses. Their minds are depraved and their faith is counterfeit. Counterfeit faith. And people, well, I'm, I'm a very religious person. It's like, whoopee-doo. <laughs> you know, that's just like saying... I've got really bad breath. It's just like, why do you want to tell me about that? You want to say, I love Jesus. God loves me, and, and I love him, and he's there for me. Now, that's something that you want to brag about if you want to brag about your relationship with God. That's, that's cool. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All scripture... Now, what percentage is all again? 100%. All the scripture is talking about here... All the scripture, is ins- not just your favorite verse, but all of it, is inspired by God. It's God breathed. And is useful to teach us what is true. The scripture teaches us what is true. It sets us free. It causes transformation in our lives. It helps us in every area of our life. <clears throat> it is the manufacturer's handbook. It genuinely is, you know. And there is an all-out attack against the truth in our world right now. Now, there's a movie, and I can't tell you if it's a good movie or a bad movie. I just read the reviews on it. It's an old movie, so I don't really know about that. But there's a movie called A Few Good Men. Have you ever heard of the movie? Okay. And in this movie, there's a guy by the name of Jack Nicholson. And it looks like they're in a courtroom or something like that. And Jack Nicholson said to Tom Cruise, who was one of the truth, and he said, you can't handle the truth. That's what he said. And that's what Satan is trying to do to us every day of our life. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. You know? But to be honest with you, the devil doesn't want us, we don't have time to go into detail right now, but the devil does not want you to be fully equipped. Because the truth 
It equips us for everything we got to deal with in life. It equips us. Genuinely, it does. And the devil's always, hey, you can't handle the truth. You know, that's what he acts out anyhow. You know, but I'm telling you, you can handle the truth. You know, we were made for truth. You were made for truth. Now, what I'd like to do is to share a song with you. We're not going to sing it, but we're just going to read the words of it. But I would challenge you, please, before the day is over, to look it up online. Uh, look it up, and you can find it on uh, YouTube. YouTube. And the name of the song is Voice of Truth. It's a powerful, powerful song, Voice of Truth. And there's a statement that pops up several times in this song. It says, you will never win. Do we have those words? Let's project them. And I'd like you to look at the words as I try to read them to you. Oh, what I would do to have the... You are singing. <laughs> oh, a little what bit off I would do to have the kind of faith that takes to climb out of this boat I'm in onto the crashing waves, to step out of my comfort zone to the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. And he's holding out his hand, but the waves are calling out my name, and they laugh at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The waves, they keep on telling me. Time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant like Goliath with just a sling and a stone surrounded by the sounds of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor, wishing they'd have had the strength to stand, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed, the waves they keep on telling me. Time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. But the stone was just the right size to put the giant on the ground. And the waves, they don't seem so high from on top of him looking down. I will soar with the wings of eagles when I stop and listen to the sound of Jesus singing over me. The voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me. I will choose to listen and believe. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. I will listen and believe. I will listen and believe the voice of truth. I will listen and believe because Jesus, you are the voice of truth. And I will listen to you. You are the voice of truth. Now I challenge you, go online and look that up, the voice of truth. By casting crowns. By casting crowns. And listen to it sometime before the day is over. And I believe it will be a tremendous inspiration to you to unearth truth and listen to the voice of truth. It will set you free. It will bring transformation into your life. And, and everything that comes our way, don't accept the lies, the deceits, the deceptions, but pursue the truth. Would you bow your heads with me right now? I'd like to say a little prayer to give you opportunity to reaffirm your faith and truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you have never declared your faith in Christ Jesus, would you declare it today or reaffirm it? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe you love me. I believe you love me. That is the truth. That is the truth. I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe you sent your son Jesus. And he gave his life for me. And he gave his life for me. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And that is the truth. And that is the truth. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I open my heart to him. And I open my heart to him. And I receive Jesus into every area of my life. And I receive Jesus into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King.